What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Today on The Conversation About the Men, I'm talking to designer Prabal Garang. Prabal has dressed everybody from Michelle Obama to Kamala Harris, um, Kate Middleton, Oprah Winfrey, Demi Moore. The list of incredible women that he's dressed is pretty phenomenal. And he's a friend of mine. One of the things that I love about him is that he is a self-identified feminist and has been advocating for women's rights as long as I've known him, which is somewhere between 10 and 15 years. We couldn't remember exactly when. Um, I really love talking to him and learning about him growing up in Nepal, the influence of his mother, who's an incredible force in his life. Uh, we also talked about ageism, about using fashion and design to tell stories. Um, about celebrating women of all shapes and sizes and ages and valuing different perspectives. This was such an insightful and fun conversation. I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed speaking to Prabal. It's so nice to see you. Nice to see you as well. Nice to see you. How have you been? It's been a Gosh, while. Gosh, it's been a while, hasn't it? Yes, uh, it's been years, I feel like. I mean, you're still doing what you do and I'm still doing what I do. So we're lucky. <laughs> fortunate fortunate and I mean isn't that the truth like it is honestly it's like so humbling sometimes like we get to do what we love you know uh, every day I'm reminded of it yeah I know staying in that place of gratitude of like the fact that I get to do a job that I can support myself with that I love that hopefully brings joy and (laughs) <laughs> whatever it brings to the world i mean i just feel so grateful it was so true like it's um somebody was i recently went out on a date and somebody was asking me and i said so what's your hobby then i was just like you know my work is my hobby my work is my passion my work is my holiday and i kind of for a brief second i felt like oh my god am i, am I a workaholic and i was like no actually no it really brings me joy i'm really humbled by it and so I was like, that's my hobby. Yeah. Like, I'm passionate about what I do. So hence, I don't need to, I mean, because of my work, I get to talk to people like you, go to museums, read stuff, everything, you know, inspiration comes from everywhere. So like, I feel blessed. So yeah, I mean, that's a great question, isn't it? Like if I think hobbies are often, look, you can have a hobby outside of your job, 
But for a lot of people who don't get to have a job where, that they love, that is inspiring for them, they have to find hobbies and outlets where they can nourish themselves in ways outside of their job. So I think it's a Absolutely. great question to ask, right? But also yeah. knowing yeah. that like, you know, you love what you do. As long yeah. as I've known you, which we yes. met, I don't know, maybe over 10 uh, years ago, 15 yes. years maybe. 10, now it's a 10, 15, 10, 15 years. Is it? Okay, somewhere in that range. I've always thought of you as being someone who is such an advocate for women. And it's one of the first things that I came to know about you. And I'm, I'm not uh-huh. sure what the series of events were, but I always uh-huh. was like, yeah, Prabal is an advocate. And long before it became, uh, you know, cool to do so. Uh, you know, you've been you've been <laughs> talking about your love and admiration and respect for women and your, you know, passion for for equal rights. So, you know, when I was thinking about who I wanted to talk to with this series, uh, you were in my mind because to me, you're one of like the OG people that's been talking about this for a long time. Um, so you know, I wanted to to talk to you about a few things and we'll we'll go over all the different things. But but when I was, you know, researching you, and it's interesting researching someone that you've known for a long time as well. Oh my because, god, yeah. Because then you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize this and didn't realize that. But, you know, you've talked about your mother a lot and about yeah. the influence that she had on you. And you've said you've described her as extremely strong, independent, progressive. Um were you raised without your dad? And in what ways did she help shape who you are? Um, first of all, let me just start with the fact that, um, you know, I really appreciate the acknowledgement. Um, but, you know, uh, my love for women started because of my mother, just to see a single mother uh, who brought us up. My father was in and out of our lives. Um, you know, I've recently come to peace with him you know, um, at peace with myself, what I realized is the the hurt and the anger that I was holding on to for such a long time, I needed to let it go. And it came, and that that's one thing that I will always say is, you know, my mother always told us that, you know, he may not be a great husband or a good husband, but he's a, he's a good father, always instilled that on us. So my my mother has been, ever since I was a kid, my mother has been someone who saw me. And, you know, growing up, I was an effeminate kid. I was very different. I was constantly told I was different. I went to an old boys, um, you know, boarding school. And, um, and it was like a Catholic Jesuit school. And um, I was different. I didn't, I wasn't the most brilliant student. I wasn't uh, the brilliant athlete, but I was creative. And, um, but the way I walked, the way I, who I was, while it was so celebrated at home, the outside world didn't see it. And so my understanding of who I was came through the lens of my mother, mm-hmm. right? And she always made sure, you know, like till date, she's, I mean, she's strong, she's resilient, but there's always something, there's a quiet grace about her. She was not someone who was... Um, loud or like an extraordinarily boisterous but she was very measured she was very thoughtful and you know her th- philosophy in life had always been about my I want to make sure my three children my sister's the eldest and it's me and uh, then it's my brother and it's me uh, she used to say my, I want to make sure my three children aren't um, the burden to this world so I want to wow. make sure that they have a purpose to life and so that was something instilled in us she didn't say you have to do this you have to do this she just kind of led by example and and then my sister, who's the eldest, was another person that was equally powerful, equally strong, equally protective. So it's funny when I look back at my life and um, the pivotal moments that have happened in my personal life and career has always been women and often very strong women. You know, like, our, I mean, just to move back to like, you know, even our mutual friend to me, she was the one who put me on the map. When the world didn't even know who, who couldn't even pronounce my name, you know, she was the one who put me on the map. And so, you know, I look back at it and I now understand, it's been a quite few years now I've understood why my, why I resonate and why I kind of like relate to women is, you know, I think the world is shifting in that direction. 
right? I've always felt like, you know, the things that, I mean, maybe I'm jumping ahead to stop me at any given time. No, you know? no, this, I want to hear what you have to say on this. You know, because it's like, what I feel is this, it's like, Growing up, you know, the popular culture with the TV, videos, books and everything, there was such a celebration of masculine energy, like almost toxic, Wall Street, money, success at any cost. That was what New York was presented to me, to the rest of the world, what that was, what America was, and that was what was celebrated. But I always felt, like, and I saw people who were leaders led really gracefully and empathetically were always women. And somehow they were always not in a position of power. And as time changed by, I just feel like, you know, I'd always felt this affinity and I always had this faith in women because they look at world differently. They'll, they do things differently. And by differently, I mean, they put people into consideration in the decision-making. It's not always self-driven, mm. right? Either it's their children, if uh, they say husbands, in-laws, or friends, it's always that. As a man, myself, oftentimes we are very much driven by, by me. It's, it's just like that. It's individualism. It's, it's actually yeah, individualism. Very. And when you're talking about almost toxic masculinity, we could call it toxic individualism. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so what so I always... Like, you know, I would encounter, like, you know, in, in my career also, like, you know, whether it's, you know, Anna Wintour to like, Demi Moore to Michelle Obama to Kamala Harris, whoever I've dressed, I've always encountered this strength that really they spoke to me. And then, you know, I kept on thinking, now the world that we are living in right now, it's just a recent phenomenon, I would say, where we talk about vulnerability, sustainability, accountability, and all of that stuff. These are emotion-led ideas. Yes. These are heart-led ideas, which oftentimes you think back as a man, especially for all of us, but especially for as a guy, be like, oh, you're a sissy. Oh, how dare you? Like, you, know, you can't be like, you know, I remember my cousins, they used to have this thing called tigers don't cry. You know, and I used to bother me, you know, those kind of, those kind of masculine energy. Now we're living in this era we all are talking about all this stuff. Well, it's we're so, talking about emotional fluency, yeah. right? We're talking about EQ and valuing EQ Absolutely. as opposed to just IQ. And generally right. speaking, aspects that we would consider EQ come under generally more of a female um, experience, yeah. right? And a female and, perspective, as you said. Yeah. And I think yeah. you're right. We've moved into this different consciousness. Yeah. But we're also asking our men to still be strong and still be capable and also to have these other elements that some men have always connected with like yourself for example mm -hmm. but there is there's mm -hmm. a whole generation of man that has never been exposed to these concepts before mm -hmm. and i find it interesting mm -hmm. that you as a as a young man were able to identify these qualities and were able to find them in women and you just mentioned a bunch of women that you've dressed or you have, you know, relationships with that you could see that in them already. Mm -hmm. You know, this mm -hmm. was a language that you knew. Emotional mm. fluency is something that you knew and that yeah. you recognized in women. And I think, I, I mean, you know, from, from what I know of you, I would say that that's, that's definitely true. So, so how do you think the world has shifted today to be more inclusive of these emotional leadership or emotional qualities? I will say, if I would be, it would be a miss for me to say, like, you know, it's completely shifted. It hasn't, the, it's starting now. Yes. I think it's starting now. Um, when I had a few of my producer friends from Hollywood come, straight producer friends from Hollywood come to New York and talk about vulnerability, I almost choked on my martini. Yeah. I cannot even tell you. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. I just, but I didn't say anything. I just listened. I heard them. I was like, you know, hearing them out. And I just realized, we have in some way created a society where we have um, emotionally stunted men from really tapping into their emotional being. And that has led to all the issues and problems that we are facing right now, whether it's climate change, whether it's climate-wise, politically, you see everything. I think there's a conversation happening. There's a shift in happening, like, you know, um, the conversation about uh, trans rights or non-binary conversation. This is not something that just like kind of like happened today. There's a reason why all these conversations are happening. What we, what the universe is trying to tell us, I truly believe is 
to find a different various various ways of defining what a man looks like okay what success looks like what powerful power looks like what vulnerability looks like and i think what i'm excited about it is as i gave you that example of my you know hollywood producer friends to other people is um that is the conversation is starting do i think it's going to change i mean listen you and i we live in this world that i cannot believe that we even have to talk about roe v wade you know that they just you, you, I know, do you know what i, I mean know. so so, it's, so, it's, so i don't think it's shocking so you're right yeah. it, it's changing and it isn't right there are some yeah. areas that we are progressing you yeah. know around conversation with the the qualities that we're encouraging men to have yeah. vulnerability empathy you know things that they have historically been shut down and shamed for mm. um yeah. and then we're still fighting for women's rights in a way that it's unbelievable and incomprehensible to us that it's it's 2022 and that this is our reality. Yep. It's always, you know, the the for the progress we've made, we've also gone backwards. But that's the truth. And as you and I know, the kind of revolution or any kind of change is always fragmented. It's always in different sections, you know. And I think um, I I look at my li- own life also, like in a way we go through success and failures and highs and lows. It's simply to um, make us not just resilient, but understand that the universe functions in its own way, in its own time. Like what we have to, our job as humans, I think, is to show up consistently and, and, and constantly with that integrity and intention and just show up. And the rest is going to, you know, build around your ecosystem. I feel, um, you know, this one step forward, two steps back is that's just the law of the nature. I don't know how else to say it. It saddens me, to be completely honest. It saddens me that, um, you know, the progress in, like politically also from the Obama days to Trump to like, you know, all that stuff, like it saddens me that we have to go back and forth. But I've come to realize that um, one thing my philosophy in life is, you know, I keep on thinking about like the hardships that we all face. Why does it happen? Even if you're a good person, then I realize, you know, the true empathy is employed not during good times, not with your loved ones. True empathy is employed during the time that is difficult, when you're challenged, when it's the toughest time. Do you have empathy for the world, for the people who's attacking you? And, and most importantly, do you have empathy for yourself? So that's why I've realized, you know, why this is always happening. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb. 
tuning out all the constant. Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Talking about showing up consistently and, you know, over time, you have certainly done that. I remember seeing you wearing a t-shirt at one of your runway shows that said, this is what a feminist looks like. Uh, And I, and I love that you did that because it was before, you know, it, it was, it was such a good reminder that feminism and people who support feminism can be all types of people. Of course. And you sent models down the runway with all kinds of messaging, you know, advocating for women, uh, you know, having agency over their own voice and their bodies. And you have consistently shown up with messaging over the years that, that, that support women's rights. In what way do you feel like fashion can be influential to help uh, push positive messaging to advocate? Mm. Listen, um, you know, when I did those t-shirt collections with the collection with all the t-shirts and slogans and everything, I just felt, you know, we felt a collective sense of loss when Hillary Clinton lost the election. Um, I, I mean, to me, I operate with it. It's as simple as I have nieces growing up, nephews growing up, I need to be answerable to them. I need to be leaving behind a world that they can fully be proud to be, you know, in existing. So um, I, it was like th- that collective loss. I just wanted to kind of like, you know, really mourn collectively out on a runway show. And I, to remind the work is not yet done. And in the industry, like, and when I started speaking out about all this equality stuff, and, you know, it wasn't a popular thing to do, you know, it's oftentimes, like, at the risk of, you know, I, I mean, I lost few of my, you know, well, that's uh, retail what I, partners. But that's what I want to say. You've been doing this for a long time, as have mm. I. And there are a yeah. lot of people who have. And then there are a lot of people who are new to the game. And I'm grateful that there's so many more people at the yeah. table. But I often yeah. see people who... Uh, speak up about issues. And I'm thinking, you know, when I look back at actually what they've done to change the game for, you know, representation or whatever, I can't see it in their work. And that Mm. I'm definitely challenged by that. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, one of the reasons I wanted to speak to you is that you're someone who's walked the talk with this for a very long time. So, you. you know, I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, the body of work, I mean, I always look at it. I mean, to me, it's easy talking to you because then I don't have to explain the nuances of what I'm trying to say to you. You get it, right? We've had this conversation before. Also, I've been I've seen your work. And it's just like, to me, how I look at like what the industry can do is fashion industry is, when I used to speak up, it used to be, oh, it's just fashion. Oh, you're like, literally, I don't know if I can say stay this. Stay in you your box. Ethnic, yeah, stay in your box. You're an ethnic designer. Like, what are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. I just felt like fashion's core message is this, is in a toxic way, it is like, you're not good enough till you buy my clothes, all right? The other way of looking at it is how what I designed for you, how you wear it, how you feel good about it is my way of seeing you. I genuinely believe fashion industry's real job, a true job is to make sure people feel seen, they feel through how they feel beautiful, how they look at themselves, how they feel accepted and validated. That's our job. We are storytellers as designers and as storytellers are healers. So I've always looked at it that way. There's a business side to it, of course, don't get me wrong, but that's an overall message. So I've always believed in the power of fashion simply because I remember turning the pages of magazines and not seeing anyone who looked like me, right? Feeling alone, feeling like, oh my God, am I not good enough? And then constantly having to tell myself, no, actually I'm good enough. I am good enough. And then when I got the position of power and notoriety, I was just like, if I'm just keeping it for myself, for the success of my own business economically, then how am I different from the people before me? So I that's when I, not just about politically, the different sizes of beauty, different race, different you know gender. I think it becomes important that you in a position of power, me in some kind of position of power, to bring and tell stories. The more we see, the more we hear, the more we are able to celebrate differences. That's the core of fashion industry. It is moving in the right direction, I will say. Long way to go. It is moving in the right direction. 
amongst all the uh, fashion capitals in the world, American fashion is in the forefront of making changes because we as designers, me and a few other designers like us and creatives like us, we demand it. At How the do risk you of do that? Unpopular. How do you do that? So I first, I always say first thing first is to, you have to show what could be possible, right? Through my runway shows, through my collaborations that I do with, whether it was Lane Bryant or models like Ashley Graham, so, you know, Precious Lee, two different genders. You just keep on showing the traditional, I would say, you know, uh, fashion playground, whether it's a runway show, magazines, ad campaigns, Instagram, all of that stuff, how it used to be presented, what kind of people, now you just change it. You just change your decision-making table. You change your dinner table and see what could be possible. Once you, that's the first step. Then after that, you start demanding it and not, not canceling it, but having a conversation. Because oftentimes people don't know People don't know what is the possibility. Yeah, you know? I feel that. I just, you know, I I also, you know, ha when people say, used to say to me, can you come and speak at this event? And, you know, you're going to be, um, you know, it's one of the main speaking, you know, slots. And you say, great, what other women are speaking? They're like, oh, no, well, there's only you. Like, that's supposed to be a compliment. <laughs> and you say, no, I'm only willing to come if you have X amount of other women who are involved mm -hmm. in this. Mm -hmm. And and those need to be diverse voices, diverse ages, perspectives, socioeconomic background, you know, religions, whatever it is. I ask for as much representation as possible. And that's where the leverage I found comes in, is yeah. that when you get to a certain position where people are asking you to be a part of something, you can say, great, and I'm bringing all these people in with me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it, it's definitely something that I think has been changing but I also see a lot of tokenism. I don't know. Do you see that? I mean, you know, if you're a person of color, especially you face it all the time, you recede all the time. Right. And I, I always, what I've learned to, I've been really good at is like really decide, like in a deciphering, like, okay, who's actually tokenizing and who's, who didn't have the equipment or the knowledge or the thing uh, to really understand that what they're doing is tokenism, yes, you know? Yes. So there's a difference there. Big because time. I, like, and I know, like, you know, like, when I talk to my friends of, you know, from, from, from like, like all my friends of color, like we'd always talk about, it, it is exhausting having to explain all the time. But I always feel like, you know what, I am fortunate enough to have access to the decision making tables that are not allowed for people who look like me or like my friends. I've, I'm not going to start a fight. I'm going to start a conversation. Mm. Right. I'm going to initiate Beautiful. a conversation, have that conversation because life is too short to be like, oh, you're canceled. You're this. And it's not it doesn't work like that for me. I'm like when they when I start presenting them, like, and that's why when you ask me T-shirts on the runway, different models on the runway, it's my way of saying, hey, look at this. I'm a luxury brand designer. I'm showing you what luxury fashion glamour can look like. You, too, can do it. Let's have a conversation, you know. You know, Amanda, you know this, like you can sit right now. We can sit because the, I feel like the moment and the zeitgeist has met your mission. Okay. Let me, when you started out, you, people were like, does she have two heads? Like, what is she talking about? You know, you, you know, you do you know what I mean? So exactly. you and I, you and I know this is, we can sit here and talk easily and make it easy and be very generous, but it is hard work. Yes. To be consistently. That's why. So for me, my admiration to you, not just as a friend, is like you've been at it consistently. And that's what matters. You know, that's what matters to me. So who I surround myself, you know, um, and like women I surround myself to, like in people I surround myself, it's important. But, it, you know, nobody's perfect. People keep on learning. And, and I love that you talked about educating people because I've often found that like not everyone's an asshole. There are people yeah. who just don't know, you yes. know, and you figure out pretty soon, oh, this person yeah. is being, you know, is using tokenism for their own, you yeah. know, bank balance. And then there's other people who just quite simply didn't know. When you say, hey, yeah. I just wanted to bring this forward and just share some thoughts on this and get your feedback because I wondered if you had looked at it this way. Most of the time, people are so open and they say, thank you yeah. so much for making me aware. You know, what, what I do find is that there are areas where like ageism is still an area where, oh you know, that's an area where I feel like I want to start talking about it because I was the youngest for so long and now I'm not. 
right? No. And so I feel it's like there's another prejudice now because now mm -hmm. I'm older and I'm like, hang on a minute. I'm facing another prejudice now, you know? And I think ageism, like I would love to see women who are, you know, my age and older on runways. I would like to see it be about women who represent something. You know, you go, who is this woman? She represents this in the world. This is her perspective. This is how we identify with her. Let's put her in campaigns. Let's, 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 you know, and again, you have to take into consideration body types and all of that too, like diversity to include age because there's immense wisdom in age. And I see in America, how our culture, when women <laughs> hit a certain age, they're just like, delete. Yes. No, it's so funny you said that, you know, I grew up in a, I grew up in Nepal and in India, like, you know, we're, we don't call people elderly, we call them elders. You know, there's, Beautiful. Uh, there's, a, there's, yeah, there's a difference, you know, the wisdom, I always, I pride myself in my group of friends who are younger than me, my age, older than me, and way older than I am also. And I, that is the wisdom and the, uh, I would say like in the, um, the zeal for, like with the younger people, the zeal for like to do something that excitement is. And when you hear them, like the wisdom and that excitement coming together and the, the conversation, I've always found it so problematic in America when, you know, when they say, and especially, but it's also, let's just put it this way. Ageism is also sort of gender specific thing. Yes. You know, and that's what I find problematic is, is they, listen, I get older, I'm in my 60s, 70s, everything, my white hair, I can still be sexy. Yes. Right? It's like, and I'm desirable and all this stuff. I find it so problematic. I find it so problematic that, in an industry, I mean, I'm talking about fashion only, like, you know, or sure. in an entertainment industry that is like woke now. Okay, this is a, it is like blatantly and openly, like kind of like discriminating based on age, you know, and to your point, it's very, you're very right. And it is like, I also find when women hit their 40s or 50s, actually, they don't give a fuck. Okay, and I and I think sorry, and I and I cannot even tell you the freedom that they have and the stories that they tell me and think it is like oh my god, like it's such badass attitude, you know, and I love yeah. it. Yeah, and I you love know, it. And, we were uh, talking about our mutual friend Demi Moore, and you know, Demi and I, uh, you know, I was with her a couple of days ago um, for a, a visit because she's been away working and just spending a couple of hours just like curled up on the couch, catching up about, you know, intense things, profound things, frivolous things, you know, like all of it, you know, and it's, yeah. it's so nourishing to be able to spend yeah, cool. time with women who have life experience and perspective. Mm -hmm. It's so mm -hmm. invaluable. And I just wish that we centered women more and, and celebrated that they're incredible life on this planet, you know, and I just, yeah. I just don't see it. I feel like it's one of the areas that is still uh, very shut down. And absolutely. You're hundred percent right. You know, um, to, that's why I have so many, I mean, a little bit of an issue with when I see these lists, like 30 and the 30, 40 and the 40, those kind of lists, I always have a little bit of an issue because you're literally kind of like celebrating someone's worth, within the age group and I, I always find it like you know it's got to be more than that it's got to be a how about a list of 80 under 80 you know what i mean or something like that you know where they're oh my they're, god i would love and, that and it's i just how i look at my life and how i want the world to be is that one without free of judgment but with one with ample of questions Yes. That's what I want. That's what I want the world to be because with questions is a sign of curiosity. And, you know, with curiosity and questioning, you start to develop and grow. But this judgment, and especially women once say, like, and I also have this problem within our industry also, um, how a woman chooses to age is a decision. Yes. There's no one way of aging. And I just find it so problematic that after a certain thing, you have to, you know, behave in a certain way. I don't believe that. And I think the reason I'm glad we're bringing this up and I'm glad you brought this up is if you truly want to see um, when I'm talking about the feminine energy of the world, if you really want to see 
what a fully realized feminine energy is, you really need to look at women of certain age and yes. realize their journey and understand the power of resilience, multitasking, uh, like, you know, uh, future, like all of that stuff, right? Compassion and empathy. That kind of leadership is something that I think the tech world, the finance world, every world that is driven by men, masculine energy driven industry can learn. I genuinely believe that. Well, I, I do too. And having spent time with, you know, female politicians from Senator Kirsten Gillibrand to, you know, our VP Kamala Harris, both women yeah. who I've worked with, yeah. you know, over the years, um, for many years now, you see how those more feminine qualities and traits um, influence their decision-making. I mean, I remember Kirsten Gillibrand saying to me, if we had more women in the Senate, we'd have less war. And it's true. You know, hundred percent. And unfortunately, there's a generation of women who was the Hillary. Hillary is the perfect example. There's a generation of women who was the only woman who was in the room. So you, yeah. I'm not saying that Hillary has this mindset, but there are many women who from that generation have a scarcity mindset, which is, oh, I've made it in the room. Uh, and I'm the only woman that ever got in the room. So I don't know how to bring anyone else in with me. And that is something that women of a certain uh, generation have to learn that it's okay. There, There is a bit more space. There, there's not, by the way, yeah. it's not like the doors are wide open here. You know, let's be clear, but yep. there, there is more space, you know? No, so for I think- sure. I always say they're the victims. Like when I, you know, when we're talking about women in power and all of this stuff, but there are also the, the opposite end of the spectrum, like in the examples, like, and I don't want to name names, like, you know, uh, women leaders who we've, are, we know are problematic, right? And I always feel like I'm not making excuses for their behavior. I'll tell you this much. Majority of the world, if you're not a straight white male, if you're not a straight male, you are victim to this to- toxic masculinity narrative about like how you should behave, you know? And, and I feel like for a lot of these women, like the scarcity mindset or everything is like, that's been taught. That's yes. they've been told. And I, so it is a lot of it is unlearning. A lot of unlearning. it has to be unlearning. So my thing is that before I vilify a woman, I always am, am, I am compassionate. I am empathetic because like, I always want to look at the spectrum of and like, the perspective, like how did, they, where did they grow up? How did they come about and all of this stuff? I'm not making excuses for bad behavior. Let me just put it this way. However, I always feel like, is, then I think, but is there a room for unlearning? Some people aren't, you know, some women aren't. And then you let it be. And, you know, that that takes me back to what you were saying about asking questions and being a storyteller. And you're a storyteller through design and fashion. And I'm a storyteller through photography and interviews and television and podcasts and whatever medium I can get my hands on. It's just about storytelling and about what are the narratives that we want to tell, right? And I think... You know, when we talk about being willing to ask questions and to look at bad behavior um, and to, and rather than canceling people and shutting them up and silencing them, I am really an advocate for inviting people in and for asking questions, you know, yeah. and say, why, why did that happen? Why is that happen? And also what happened to you that this is your, this is your choice. This is the action that you took, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know what your thoughts are on cancel culture as a philosophy. You know, there is, um, I think, as I said, you know, with revolution is messy. You know, the change that was happening in the culture was it needed to happen. We all know thing goes to the extreme and then it starts to settle. I think I've always, I've always been against it in terms of like, I believe in conversational culture, like where we can have a conversation and everything. Now, in spite of having several conversations, there's no change, then you have to fight for it. There's, but there are cancel culture that comes in play when it comes to certain things, like whether it's like racism, pedophilia, like in all of that, like, you know, like um, anti-Semitism or like, uh, rape and all of that. There's certain category of thing that it needs to be looked at in a different lens. However, everything else, you know, I think we have to be at a place where we are willing to have a conversation. And you know, like, yes, there's a generational shift where people are canceled culture and like, and they are like trolls who are like go after people. But there are also incredibly amazing younger generation who are willing to have this conversation. And and for the because for them, it comes like 
the way we would talk about 90s rom-com. Or like you didn't know, oh my God, did you watch that movie? It is so natural. Their, their language and vocabulary is so natural. So I feel, I'm hopeful, you know, my belief is always on this, like I hate making, I've never been that. I will pride myself in that. I've never followed the herd or had a herd mentality, you know, because I wasn't allowed to in the beginning because I was right. so different. You so were like, not, you know, a, yes, you were excluded yeah. from that possibility. Yeah. So, so, and so that, so to me, not being a herd is the most comfortable place to be. Not following the pack is the most comfortable place to me. So I always ask, you know, what is happening here? Hear the thing and then make a decision. That's, uh, that's how I've always been. But I understand why it's happening. It is decades and centuries of oppression, decades of like, you know, kind of uh, people, unheard voices. Of, from different groups of people, like, you know, women oppressed in the coming, like now finally having a voice, speaking up. So it is messy. It is, um, it can be sometimes, you know, you, you are the receiving end of the problematic, all of that stuff can happen. But I know when the dust settles, your integrity, your consistency, your path and your, is going to clear it all. You know, that's how I look at it. Yeah, I tend to feel the same way as you. I mean, as someone who interviews people, I have found that it's it's actually difficult for me to interview people who are considered problematic or people who I have very different perspectives with. Not that I don't want to, because I do want to, because mm -hmm. I, like you, actually want to talk to people outside yeah. of the echo chamber. I want to understand, even people that have mm -hmm. said things that are just like clearly not acceptable. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I want to understand why. I'm a curious person. Yeah. And even when I interview people who are considered problematic, I get so much blowback. Like you're platforming them and you're giving them an opportunity to speak. It's like, well, what if the opportunity that I'm giving them to speak is so that I can understand and so I can teach tolerance? What if mm -hmm. I'm trying to role model tolerance for, for very different perspectives and, and, and role model a considered conversation that isn't hateful or vile because then I'm no mm -hmm. better than them. Yeah, no, I, I listen. I agree with you. Just again, tolerance is the first step towards practicing empathy. I'll tell you this much. That's as simple as that, you know. And then uh, what you're doing is being empathetic, and and your job, honestly, as a um, as an interviewer, is to have different stories. And I, that's what I want to live in a world with opposing ideas. Yes, right. Where we're not vilifying each other but really having this discussion because of my work i dress women of different political leanings okay and that's what it is and i hear these stories and i keep on saying i'm going to tell my story an immigrant man of color you know and living an american dream how it was possible raised by so it defies everything that they've believed in in so many ways mm -hmm. and i'm yet i'm at the dinner table so it normalizes that and believe it or not in my personal experience a lot of women have, you know, kind of, I'm not, how they vote is not, I can't control it, right? But they've changed over the period of time. A lot of women who've come into my life um, and who are like, you know, looked at the world differently. And how so? Too. How so? What would you say are some of the areas? So what they did was, and they were, they were so uh, like mm, dogmatic about like whether, whether gay marriage against it or um you know um and recently it's been about abortion you know it's been about like you know because you know i post self and everything so they, these women yes, like you know thank you like and and people from you're one of the York. few ma male voices by the way we have so yeah. few men who are vocal about this issue and yet it, it affects men exponentially obviously having fathers that are not don't want to be fathers uh you yeah. know it's like it's, it's so sad to and, me that and, more and, men and, aren't speaking about it and Amanda, I'm, it's just, it's, it's logical. You know, this is not immaculate conception, you know, exactly. it's, it's, it takes a man, it takes a man and a woman to get involved. We can have a baby. Exactly. So like in, in a way, you know, and so I just feel like it is natural. My, this is my thing. My agent, like belief and everything around this is not just around this and everything is like, it is a woman's, it's a person's decision to do what, how, what they want to do with their body. That's how I look at it. That is the decision, right? Um, and it's the same thing going back to like the, how you want ages, whether you get a plastic surgery or not, whether you do it. It's who, how is it affecting us? Mm. You know, and that's how I look at it. And so 
when I have this, I've had this several conversations with, you know, people who are um, really, you know, kind of against Planned Parenthood. Let me just put it this way, okay? So I'm like, you know, you meet socially at dinner tables. Obviously, my close group of friends are very much, you know, yeah. believers like me. But and then to realize the money that I was raising to, you know, like by selling the sweatshirts and shirts and all of that stuff, they were also buying it. You know, so in my head, I have to, I have to find glimmer of hope somewhere. Otherwise, you know, like a lot of people, I'm going to lose my mind too, right? So I'm like, like all right, she's contributing to knowing the fact this is going to, you know, Planned Parenthood. All right. What slow, minute, perhaps not even like a major thing, but minute change in the way they look at it, you know. And, and it, that's it is, how we create to, yeah. change. That's how we create Absolutely. change. There's, yeah. there's like the 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 broad sweeping change, like what happened with Roe v. Wade, although that was on the uh, in the cards for quite a while. But it was certainly yeah. from outward perspectives a, a broad sweeping change. But most of the time, when we make, make change, it's little micro changes, as you say, showing up consistently over mm-hmm. time chipping away that's how we make those big changes so i think it's it's fascinating that those little adjustments are happening with some of your clients yeah and it is i think it's that's how i look at it is you know like we all can be in our own bubble and believe what we believe you know uh, my job is i always feel like that's my life's mission is through everything that i've access through whether it's fashion social media storytelling to kind of tell different kind of stories about what is possibility. Like the recent show that I did, it was about voyeurism, this idea of like, you know, people looking at you, but never seeing you, you know? Mm, and then also I touched upon this idea of this idea about like, you know, women's breasts, women's body and have them having their agency. Like in, for instance, on Instagram, I can put a sh- post a shirtless picture of myself, but a woman can't, you know, know. in 2022. It's the nipples, almost, the nipples are the yeah. issue. So that to me is, I'm, I'm always fascinated by the world's most progressive country in regressive in such ideas, you know? And so that is where, and so I was just like trying to play with this idea. How, when is it that our eyes get comfortable with a woman's body or someone else's body? Do you know what I mean? And, and, and it's a deeper conversation, but I think it is, we are just so set in this agenda of like what, trying to box women into a certain place. I'm just like, no, 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 please let them free flow. I've seen it. What glorious things happen when you um, allow women to just be, just be. What stories are inspiring you at the moment? And what are the stories that you want to tell next? Oh my Lord. Um, The big (laughs) question, I know. Yeah. You know, one thing that I really... um, I've been like practicing a lot is this understanding this um, when I talked about empathy, vulnerability and all of that, that's really been something that I've been really exploring because, you know, we're living in this um, day and age where words like vulnerability, accountability and everything is like just thrown around. Right. There's with not much weight to it, not much like depth to it. So I was just like trying to explore that. So, um, you know, just understanding the chaotic world that we live in. You live in LA, I live in New York. The way the, the streets of New York are or, or in LA, like, and it's filled with homeless people and everything. And, and my heart breaks for it, you know, and I'm just trying to figure out like, what is the perfect path of empathy and purpose? What mm. the, what's the perfect place to be empathetic and then intentionally do something about it? So I'm just trying to see the world and really understand. I think this is the first time in my life that I've realized the the timeline that I have in this yes. world, you know, and I want to make sure that I pack it with stories that like no longer do I need thousands of likes on my Instagram or like, you know, being told you're hot or you're this, you're fabulous. I don't need that. What I want to do is I hope, I pray that the time that I have here that I'm able to tell more stories. What you mentioned earlier about what you've been doing at it, it doesn't feel like it. It just felt like, I was just being myself, showing what I felt was right. And I hope I can, I'm can. i able to do that, you know? Well, you'll continue to do what you've been doing. I, I was just curious, kind of, you know, when you think about like a theme for a collection, uh-huh. you know, like how do you come up with those ideas and what what is your kind of next thing that you want to address? Because I feel like in your collections, you address yeah. things. 
You know what I mean? Where I do, you know, and and I, I, and I love looking at your collections. I find a lot of fashion, you know, just not for me. Um, but there's, but you know, always with, with your, with your designs, like I could be, I've been looking at your clothing, you know, for like multiple generations at this point, you know, in my, in my like mid thirties, forties, like I've been looking at your clothes and there's something I can wear at different ages, which I love, but, but I always look at your show um, and I feel like you're, you're, you're addressing stuff, you know, yeah. sometimes very blatantly and sometimes subtly, but you're yeah. definitely taking yeah. things on. So what, what yeah. is, what's kind of the, moving you at the moment? You know, the, the, here's the thing. I mean, it, I am, um, um, you know, like, how do you say, like, and I listen to news and read news and read a lot. So like with my like spring collection that I just did about voyeurism, it's simply, I sat like having coffee early in the morning before I went up for a workout. And I literally, when the Roe v. Wade thing happened, you know, like, the, and, and I, was, I was like, I was in tears simply because I'm like, when am I going to live in a world where people don't view women as that, you know, that, and so it really bothered me that like, well, we are, it, somehow we are able to look at women, but never see them. That's the idea of voyeurism started from there. It's like, what is this about women's body, their agency, their ownership? When, when a woman is sexy, when a woman is wearing a tight dress, what is it that why are we immediately labeling them as sluts? Why is it all this stuff was like, you know, in my mind? And I was like, I want to do it in a very nuanced way. For the next collection, you know, what I'm working, I mean, if I could, if I, I mean, I'm just like bigger. Like what I'm really interested, Amanda, honestly, is a world where women are able to talk about pleasure, sexual or mental or whatever yes. it is, pleasure yes. openly yes. without having to ah, or shrink. Yes. The oh, way yes. Um, the way a man who sleeps around with is like, considered like, you know, yeah, hot and I want to... Um, listen, I can't, you know, I, I hate talking about what, what next show beforehand, sure, but sure. I'm, I'm really, I'm really curious about because when I truly genuinely believe when people are free to express what brings them pleasure, they're able, like true pleasure. I'm not mm-hmm. just somebody, oh, like bags and this, like true, true, true pleasure, sexually or whatever mentally, is when they're going to be free to talk about their pain. Yes. And most people don't know how to connect with themselves well enough to be able to identify yeah. what does bring them that true pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. They suspect, yeah. they have an inkling but encouraging people to find ways to truly connect with themselves so that they yeah. can identify what, like, I, I love that, that you've been thinking about that. I've been thinking a lot about joy, right? And, and, and pleasure is an aspect of joy, you know, yeah. like what brings me joy, you know? Mm-hmm. And it feels like such a nebulous thing, you know, but really spending time you know, yeah. and is it that like, there's a certain cake that I love, you know, like having a piece of that cake, like truly brings me joy, it's um, so true. you know, like seeing my dogs when I let them run mm-hmm. free down the hill at my house and they're like running like crazy. Like I start smiling, you know, yeah. when one of my kids realizes something really, you know, valuable, like there's these things that, that as individuals, we all owe it to ourselves to work out, you know, what brings us joy because then we can pursue those things and do more of them. And you're so hundred percent right, because it's so funny. Like I often tell my friends and even my mother, like, you know, who I have breakfast with every morning, I I was like, I always tell, you know, I'm not in control of my happiness. I'm in control of my joy. And the culmination of those joys is to me is what happiness is, Mm. you know? And, and so that's how I look at it. And you're a hundred percent right. And um, I guess, and I'm talking about pleasure, I'm talking, you're talking about joy. It's like, it is those, because it's sometimes, you know, in this world, it can be hard to find in those yes. moments, you know. That's why my practice, I have a gratitude journal, you know, no matter how tired I am, I'll just write five things. Even if it's just words, if I'm tired, I'll just write it down. And, you know, and I, I also wake have up that. I'm on yeah, a group yeah. chat with, with oh, really? 12, of, 12 women, and we have a group chat every day where we do a gratitude list and we share it with everybody. Oh my God. Oh my God. I mean, can I you would this? like to be in that chat. I can tell you yeah. with the women, yeah, you would I mean, just be like, Oh, these are my ladies. <laughs> you know, it is, you know, it is important, you know, and it, because that, Oh my God, that's amazing. That is so amazing. Well, I felt, and all these women felt inclined to do this as the same way you are. Right. Because, because we're, 
we're living in a world where there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, mm-hmm. there's a lot of sadness. You know, if I spend one of my self-care boundaries is to not spend too much time looking at the news. I want to know what's going on and I'm an avid reader, but I have oh to be God. careful. I have to limit, go, okay, okay. this is your what time. Is your, what is your trick? Can, can I just tell you what it is? Because I suffered through that. I was, recently I suffered through that and I had to stop it because yes. it was really mentally affecting me. Yes, it derails me to the point where I yeah. I, I become emotionally drained and sad and feel Same. like, I'm not doing enough. I can't do enough. Why, how is the world Same. this messed up? Like, what, how can these people do this? And and it so really... What's, so what's your routine? Can you tell me? Like, what's Yeah, your... my, my routine is I don't even look at my phone and look at the news until I've done my morning meditation. I've done my gratitude list and I have filled myself up I've with enough, you know, universe source energy um, so that I have a buffer between me and it. And then I will have my coffee um, and then I will look at the news. So I have to do my self-care first. Otherwise I feel like I don't have a buffer and I have to limit it to about 30 minutes. And if there's an article I really want to read, I send it to my notes. And so I save the article into my notes so that I can go back at another time and read that article so that I'm not no. overloading myself. Because often I'll, I'll see something, I'll be like, oh God, I want to read that and I'll click into it. And before I know mm-hmm. it, it's like an hour wow. and a half has gone by and I'm not feeling good. So I kind of mm. stagger it and I will I will save the articles to read later so that I space it out. Yeah, it's so funny because you know I... I was feeling, but I'm also like kind of like delusional about my own resilience sometimes, you know, like I'm just like, you know, I can go through this. So I would listen to this, take as much as I can. And one day I woke up and I was just like, you know, I'm an, I'm an, I consider myself a very optimistic person. And all of a sudden I, I felt very heavy, you know, mm. I went to my doctor, got myself checked, everything is fine, everything. Then I suddenly, I was like, you know, let me just see, let me just try you know, switching off. And it completely helped me. Though I will say I had a little bit of like a FOMO of not being yes. in touch with the what the current events. Yes. That, that really, because I see, I don't know if you feel this way, but I see so many people not caring, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I almost felt like, oh my God, I need, it almost felt like I need to overcare. Yes, because I don't want people to think that I'm someone that doesn't care. Yeah. And because God forbid <laughs> that people think that, right? And, you know, yeah, exactly. I, I've been kind of off uh, social for about a week because I've just not had the energy. Um, and I've been really kind of, you know, building my resilience because I was feeling very, very low in resilience. Um, and also in all transparency, and I don't want to talk about it because I will cry, but my dad died 12 weeks ago. And so oh man, I, it's for, it's a nut, it's when I come to New York, we'll go and get, we'll go get breakfast yeah. and, and we can talk, but that, yeah. that ex- experiencing grief and being in it, um, is, has really, really leveled me and humbled me in a way that I have not experienced before. And so I had to detach from social media and news because my resilience was so low and I was, Mm. and I felt so vulnerable. And I Mm. have to say that I also went through that thing of like, not there's been what's going on in, uh, in Iran with, with, you know, the women, it's like right at the beginning of that, I was super engaged in it and very, very involved. And over the last, you know, week since I've been off, you know, I, when I went back on, I saw all these things that people asking me to post things. Cause I was right at the beginning posting about it yeah. before it kind of went yeah. everywhere. And I was like, Oh my God, this is terrible. I haven't been able to support all of this. And then I realized, you know what? There's so many other voices that are doing this. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. there is such a passionate army of people who are doing this and it's okay. You can pick it back up now if you feel to. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. if you don't feel to, that's okay too, because you've got to take care of yourself first. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's been it's been really interesting um, just being off for a week and actually going back mm-hmm. on last night for the first time in a week. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's yeah. I mean, I'm first of all, I'm really sorry to hear about your father. If I may ask you, like, what what did you discover in these twelve weeks? Maybe it's too soon to ask you, like, because you know, a lot of people have told me, a few of my friends have lost their parents or like you know siblings. They always told me they realize a strength that they have and also the void. Is it yes. the same for you? 
Yeah, what it what it has done is it has recalibrated my lens of looking at my life. It has also made me realize that I have a finite amount of time. Whereas before I felt like, you know, there was more space of like, well, you've made mistakes. You can go back and do that again or whatever. It's like, well, there's a finite amount of time now. Mm -hmm. And my dad was a professional race car driver. So he was very athletic and very strong and very tenacious. And, you know, he one of the things that he taught me was really to live life to its fullest, you know? And so it's, it's recalibrated everything. I've looked at my friendships and gone, huh, interesting. The people who have not been able to show up during this time, because it's Mm -hmm. been very hard to tolerate my grief. I've had a hard time tolerating my grief. So there are going to be other people that have had a hard time with it. There are people who were on my favorites list on my phone for 25 years that couldn't show up so that's another grief and loss Mm -hmm. on top of Of course and looking at my work and going what do I care about it's Uh reframing everything and Mm. and it's putting and it's kind of like I'm in the transition of what I what I want to put my energy towards Mm -hmm. who I want to put my energy towards and what I want to put my energy towards and if it's given me anything that I, I know it's going to keep giving me more, but what it has given me is the desire to have more space and to create more space to be very intentional about what I say yes to. Wow, that is, isn't that the lesson? I may be a woman who is considered less successful and less visible in the world from here on out because I'm saying no to a lot of things um, that don't bring me joy, that don't nourish me. And I'm going to be okay with that because that is one of the things that I've realized from my dad's passing that you have to live authentically and it might change. Who you are and the stories you want to tell and what you are passionate about may change. Yes, absolutely. And And you're allowed to. And you're allowed to change. We are allowed to say, I've grown out of that or I don't feel the same way about that or you or whatever it is anymore. And that's scary. Of course, of course. You know, what is really uh, wonderful to hear in this is, you know, you're. I've always said this about myself, as I mentioned to you, you know, growing up, not ever getting validation, never belonging. Um, while it was painful growing up, you know, now when I look back at it, it really freed me from needing validation, right? It really freed me to do whatever, however I want to live my life, stories that I want to tell. What I'm hearing from you now is it's not that you ever needed validation or something like that, you know, like, but you know, the world around us tells you, okay, you need to do X number of appearances, X number of things yes. to be like, you know, relevant. You don't care. No. You know, and that, the I always say, the courage to recognize that in yourself. And we all get to that place. Some people are afraid to even recognize it. But the fact that you're able to recognize, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to do what I what brings me joy. That is the most freeing. And that is the most inspiring and most attractive thing. I have to tell you Thank you. I mean, I'm I'm a work in progress and I'll yeah. keep you I'll keep we you posted. <laughs> we all are. And yeah. you know, it's been such a joy to talk to you today. Really, it's been a joy to talk to you today. Interviewing Rabel is going to go into my joy bucket. And <laughs> I, appreciate I, that. I thank you for saying yes. And when I'm in next on my trip to New York, I would love to get coffee with you and see you and give you a hug. Absolutely. And before I leave, I want to say one thing is your group of women friends who you share the bucket list of, you know, um, gratitude. um, I thank them and I hope they tell that story that you just told me um, to. So it's kind of, you know, start to spread, you know, that kind of thing. And it is really incredible. Thank them because that gives me hope in a relationships and a group of friendship. Um, and not that it surprises me that it's a group of women who came together to do that. Yeah. It is. I actually spoke about it. I got interviewed for New York Magazine, and I spoke about yeah. the the text thread in that. I'll send it to you. So yeah, yeah, yeah. please do have some please more do. insight into it. But I will thank yeah. them from you, and thank you 
I know well, that, thank you, you. That, that every collection you do and everything you put out in the world, I am cheering you on from the sidelines. Thank you. Love you. Okay. Love you. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Bring along the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies to add a sprinkle of joy to your workday. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.